where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle. And this is a really special edition because this is the last show for the year. Grab your pen and paper because we are talking about healing beyond the trauma with my guest, Miss Aisha Lewis. She is the founder and executive director of A Different Path. She has worked for the past seven years with A Different Path, and she is an associate marriage and family child therapist and associate associate professional clinical counselor. And man, I'm telling you, we had lunch and it was just all kinds of therapizing going on. Like, so I don't even know what to expect today, but I am super excited to have my sis here on the program. Thank you so much for joining us, Miss Aisha. Yes, thank you, Miss Wanda, for having me. I am super excited to close out the year with you. Um, I know that this is going to be phenomenal. I hope I drop some good nuggets for people to take away into the new season. I can't thank you enough for allowing my voice to be heard. I can't thank you enough. Man, you always dropping nuggets. So it's just going to be more, you're just going to rain down on them today. Like a little happy 2021 Christmas gift. (laughs) This is what I got for you. With a big red phone. This is what I got for you. (laughs) So before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself to the Full Circle family? Oh my goodness. Okay, so I am simply Miss Aisha. I know that... Um, Ms. Bonda gave you a little bit of acronyms behind my name. I am an associate marriage family therapist, an associate professional clinical counselor. I currently teach intro to psychology at CRC through Los Rios and a bunch of other things that I do as well. But I want you guys to hear me when I say this. I am simply Miss Aisha. I am the young lady that you will see at the Walmart, at the Costco, at the Winko, driving down the street, stopping to get in the slushy at AM, PM. I am her, and I am here to share my expertise, my educational experience, my life experience with you so that you can see that I am just as real as you are, and I am touchable. I am reachable because I am in your community. I want to start with a different path and what they offer. And then I, we can veer on into healing beyond the trauma. Cause I think that, you know, there is definitely a link there and I want to kind of explore and let people know what a different path is all about, but then we're going to take a detour or we're going to take a left and then talk about healing beyond the trauma. Cause that's where we're going to spend the most of our time. Cause I think it's really important that our full circle family, our listeners, hear our conversation and know that even if you're in the midst of trauma that there is some healing that can come out of that yes yes 
So A Different Path is a nonprofit that I founded um, in 2015, but God had gave it to me earlier in the season. I didn't realize that a lot of my calling had to do with helping people navigate different situations in their life. The name A Different Path came because we all walk a different path. And although we walk a different path, our journeys somehow cross over each other's for seasons and different reasons. And so A Different Path focuses on mental health, education, and awareness. And moving forward, the thing about it is, is that Therapy is one thing, but when we're dealing with underserved community, marginalized communities, especially our black and brown communities, we have a hard time receiving the word therapy. When you hear that word, it's like, what you trying to tell me? I'm in a straight jacket in a crazy house. And no, that's not the case, right? So what I kind of did was change the lens a little bit and do life coaching. So it's life coaching with the emphasis of mental health, meaning I could, if I wanted to diagnose you, but most of the time people just need that sounding board, that safe space to be able to talk about the things that are hard for them, things that they are going through their trials and their tribulations. And so that's what a different path is about. Also along with our partnerships and just doing direct services like our Christmas giveaway or our Thanksgiving giveaway or our Easter giveaway or our backpack giveaway. Those are the things that we're doing that are grassroots in the community. But really the emphasis on a different path is mental health and awareness. The more I can educate you on mental health, the more comfortable you'll become with wanting to get your mental health in a better space. When I visited the A Different Path office, um, both of the, the offices, yes, there was plenty of place. Uh, it, it felt very warm and inviting. And you have the private area. So because a lot of times people are like, well, you know, do I have to come sit in a group and be with a bunch of people, which you may have that. But you also had spaces where people can have that private one on one mental health assistance that they need like in a in a room where you don't have to be in amongst others if that's not something that you choose to do that is correct and you don't have to come into the office you can actually do telehealth if you want to i try to meet my clients where they are and and i don't really care to use the word clients as much as i like to say my peers because they are my peers right we're in this world navigating in in different fashions and different roles whether you're a mother like me whether you're a sister like me right so I try to meet the dynamics for them where they are. So we do have spaces that allow for that 101. We have another room that has this huge sectional that some of my my young ladies or my young men like to sit in because they get to pop and spread themselves across. We have throw pillows. You know, we do the art play for the kids. Sometimes we take a walk. Sometimes we go in the break room and we sit across and we eat a meal together. It depends on the relationship that I need to build with my particular individuals that gives them that safe space. What that safe space looks like to them is more important than the environment that I create for me. I'm supposed to navigate the spaces for you and learn how to code switch for you. Your job is to show up. You show up, I show up, we do the work. Some of the programs that you offer, again, serving the whole of the community, right, is not just the life coaching, which is super important, but the expungement. You have programs with Sac County. You have college programs. Talk a little bit about those programs and what people can, if someone were to walk through the doors or contact a different path, what kind of services would they have in addition to the life coaching for mental health? So our partnerships is amongst Sac City Unified School District. So we support Sac City Unified School District Child Development and Foster Youth. We work with Rage Project, which is Race and Gender Equality. We work with 4YE, which is Growth Mindset and uh, Fixed Mindset. 
working within the school district to help teachers learn how to support their students better. We work with Wear Your Heart, which is Kuhn the Poet, who goes out and does triage on campuses as well. We work with Seize the Moment, which is Julius, who goes out and does all these phenomenal grassroots things as well. And then there's UCA, which does the expungement clinics. And so whenever you come in, if there's a service that is needed and we in the forefront don't offer that service, then we're able to batch you to the service that you need to get you to a better version of you. That is the whole purpose of a different path. It's your life, it's your choice. But how do we get you to a better version of you? And so we use all of these collaboratives to funnel people throughout Sacramento through the different programs that are offered that's going to get you to a better version of you. How long ago did you found A Different Path? Oh my God, 2015. And then we opened in 19 and then COVID hit. (laughs) What was the catalyst that made you say, this is how I want to serve the community? I think it was my own stories, you know, having a brother who was my oldest brother, having a brother who was in and out of the prison system, having a brother who was in and out of the lifestyle. So being able to kind of go through those things and I don't know, somehow becoming the brunt of the, the, the barrier of the family, you know what I mean? And when I say barrier, I mean, as these roadblocks are coming, you're breaking them down, these, these barriers that are coming. And that's what led me to like, I need to do more, right? I always knew that there was a calling. I just didn't know what exactly the calling on my life was. And so everybody always is like, you got a problem, call each. You got a problem, call each. And it was like, well, wait a minute now, I got to do something bigger than this. I can't just be, you know, to call each girl. Like we need to create some type of system, some type of dynamic. And recently what was told to me is that I'm a visionary, but I'm a fire starter. So I'm never supposed to really sit in one place. I'm supposed to start the fires and then move along. Mm. I'm supposed to ignite and move along and then come back and just make sure your fire is still burning. And so that, I was like, oh God, I received that. Like, I get it now. And so I didn't see a different path the way you see it. When I saw a different path, I just saw a room with an office and a phone and a computer. Like, this is enough space for me. And God was like, no, that's not what I have for you. And so I think the lesson for me in a different path was letting go and allowing God to lead. And when I say he created a vision that I was like, oh, this is what we do with Jesus. Oh, this is what we doing. Oh, this is what we doing. Okay, so what I say now is I let go and I let God paint this canvas. And he paints it in such a way that I wouldn't have never saw it. I wouldn't have never stroked the brushes that way. I wouldn't have never used those colors. And as I see people being painted into my canvas, it's my job to determine the why. It's our job to determine what's the relationship supposed to be when you're painted into somebody's canvas. So I got a chance to meet you and I'm like, okay, I met Miss Wanda, but what am I supposed to be doing with Miss Wanda? And although we're here today and we're on this radio show with you, that's not the end of our journey, right? It's so much more. And so my canvas is shifting and I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, let's go. Let's mm-hmm. go. We It's a different path we walking down. Mm-hmm. If we hit lefts and corners and curves and bends, we are going. Oh, most definitely. It is a different path that, that we walk when we're walking towards healing too. Yes. And so when you emailed me and said the topic of the show was healing beyond the trauma, I couldn't I couldn't say no of course but I I thought that was that would be the best way to end the year 
because in the past roughly 18 to 24 months, right? It's been crazy, right? Not, and I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm just talking about shoot everything. It's life, you know, financially where, you know, people are struggling housing wise, housing is crazy. And all of this random violence and, and all these, um, these like ambush robberies at the start, Mm -hmm. I mean, just so much going on. I don't even think people can take anymore, right? It's like, okay, I'm already having to be locked in my house. I'm already, you know, having to work from home and adjust with that, adjust with the fact that my kids, you know, I got to school them. I didn't go to, I didn't get no teaching degree, you know, and all of those things. And now, you know, and there's, it seems like a rise in crime and, and everything costs more and all of the things. It's like, what else can you pile on us as a society and as a people? And I think that, If we don't find outlets, if we don't not only find outlets, but also dig into what are some of the the triggers behind maybe our reactions. But what you're saying is absolutely correct. The triggers, it is being aware of the triggers. And I think that just in the pause, that we are in a state of frustration, Mm -hmm. heightened emotional frustration. And what I call it is an emotional earthquake. Oh, because most of the time you don't recognize the rattle inside of you. And if you notice, I'm calming my voice down because I'm really trying to reach those that are receiving this word in this emotional earthquake. What happens is you don't have the vocabulary to describe what it is that you're feeling. You just know you're feeling something. And culturally, you go to what is normal. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm pissed. Those are your commonality words, right? Those are common words that we always use. But in actuality, what you're feeling is frustration or disappointment or rejection or abandonment or hurt or um, I'm trying to think of a really good word where you're you're almost unconsciously aware of what's happening. You're having almost an out-of-body experience. Like reactionary because, maybe? Yeah, like and very reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. And so when you're having these emotional earthquakes and this triggering that is occurring, right, and this reactive nature that you're having, you don't even realize that you're responding to the trauma that you're experiencing because sometimes it's the unconscious trauma. It's the childhood trauma, right? So a smell, a sound, an area, an environment, all of these different things contribute. And so the way that I explain it to people is if you've been in a car accident and now you're in a passenger seat with someone and they're driving and there's an anxiety come up amongst you that you feel like this person is not going to stop in enough time, you find yourself breaking on the passenger side. And what that is, is that's a trauma response. It's a trauma response because you've already experienced the trauma of an accident. So now you're in post-traumatic stress response. So your body is responding to something you've already previously experienced. Now that's actionary. You can see that, you can vision that as I explain that, that's relatable. But what's not relatable is that as a child, when you've experienced traumas and you block them out, Because the trauma was such of a hurt to you that you don't ever want to experience again. So I'm going to suppress that trauma. But the unconscious can awake. So now I'm out and I'm with you and we hanging out and something else. And we go into the store and somebody treats me very rudely. And they say something as simple as, who do you think you are? 
let's just say they use that phrase, who do you think you are? And that phrase alone reminds me unconsciously of something that was said to me in my childhood and what do I do? I snap and I respond, who do you think you talking to? You don't know me like that, not realizing that I was simply triggered because most of the time we don't unpack any of these traumas that we've experienced, we suppress and we suppress and we suppress and we suppress. I spoke about this the other day. When is it really okay to not be okay and say you're not okay? When is my safe space really my safe space for me to be safe in my space? Mm, That's a whole question right there. So when we talk about our traumas, the first thing we need to do is be aware of them and give ourselves permission to be okay with what wasn't okay. Because you cannot control the things that occurred to you that was not at the power of your hand. But most of the time, the victim becomes responsibility for being the victim. So when is it okay for me to be okay with something that was not okay in my life? We're going to take a quick break on that note. Yes, We're going to take a break because I got, you see me over here writing. I got questions. Okay, family, we are going to take a quick break more with Miss Aisha, Miss Eish. Look, yes. <laughs> calling you all the names. Yes, yes. Miss Aisha Lewis right after this, this is full circle. Empowerment through conversation that starts with you. Tell us what topics you want to hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. We're back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with Aisha Lewis. She is the founder and executive director of A Different Path, and she is so much more than that. We're talking about healing beyond the trauma. And one of the things you said before we went to break. Yes was first of all we ought to be aware of the trauma which um i want to hear your thoughts on how do we do that okay so i know that when something happens we're triggered to react based on the trauma and a lot of times we don't realize that that's what's happening how do you propose then that we you know make ourselves aware of the trauma so a lot of the times people block out you suppress what has happened to you. So the mind has a way of always protecting itself. So a lot of people will respond and and say the heart, right? The heart does feel, but the brain has a way of always protecting the brain. And so if something is going to do harm to me, the brain says, push that back. I call it Pandora's box. In order to get to a place of recognizing these traumas and being aware of who you are in these traumas and becoming a version, a better version of you, you have to be able to open Pandora's box and you gotta be willing to open Pandora's box. And now hear what I'm saying. That doesn't always mean that you do the work by yourself because sometimes opening Pandora's box can be very heavy for a person. And so if that means that you need to do the work with somebody, I encourage you to do the work with somebody. But if you're capable of doing it yourself, which I believe a lot of us are, then you gently begin to open up the Pandora's box by allowing yourself to remember those moments. And that means you gotta go back. Like you gotta dive and you gotta say, what is the first thing that I experienced that hurt me? And most of the time people don't wanna go back to those moments because the hurt, we don't wanna feel that pain. That pain sometimes is unbearable for us. And so that little girl or that little boy that was hurt by that situation don't want to heartbreak. 
but you gotta allow that heartbreak because if you don't allow that heart to have a voice, it comes out in other things. And as we get older, that stuff comes out in ailments. That stuff comes out in ailment. It starts to come out in your body in other ways because we've held it for so long. So unpacking is really about doing the individual work for yourself. And that could come with journaling. That could come with exercise. Again, that could come with finding you a life coach and or therapist, finding you a very close friend that you trust in that space, but creating that safe space where you feel like that individual at that time in your life can come out. Because you got to let that person come out, not the new version of you, not not this current version of you, but that other version of you has to be able to come out to acknowledge that trauma that happened. Does it start with recognizing when you are triggered or does it start with asking that question? You know, like what happened to me? But if you've blocked it out, how do you get to that point? So for me, and I like to use me as example so people know that this is real, this is raw. Let me use a real story. So I am a rape survivor and I did not realize that alcohol triggered me. So here I am and I'm with my kid's father at the time and I'm at home in the bed, sleep, baby, sleep, and he goes out with the boys. He's out having a good time. He comes in, you know, he's feeling good. He didn't have a couple of drinks. Oh, my baby in the bed. You know, I'm about to kiss on something and feeling real good. And he goes to kiss me and all I smell is alcohol. And when I wake up, I wake up swinging and in hysterical panic. And he's like, wait, whoa, what's going on? It's me, babe, it's me. And when I finally come to, I'm like, oh my God. But by this time I am bawling. He's like, what is going on? Now he's freaking out. Cause he's like, what did I do? Like he's thinking he just woke me up and startled me not realizing he triggered me. I don't know that he triggered me. I don't even know what just happened. I just know I woke up in a frantic. So a couple of days later, because we don't talk about it at all, like, you know, he just finally calms me down and we get good and we go back to sleep. So a couple of days later, I'm driving and I'm with my mom and I'm talking to my mom about it and I'm explaining to my mom what's going on. And she says, well, what do you think happened? Why do you think that is? That was simply her question. Why what do you think happened? Why do you think that is? And I was like, I don't know. And so I was left pondering just that simple question. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that happened? Well, I was like, something about the alcohol. But I couldn't, I couldn't put the two together. I, I did not go back to the fact that when I was actually victimized, he was drunk. I didn't put the two together. And I finally realized and I put the two together, Miss Wanda, it was three years later. It took me three years to answer that question. But part of that three years in answering that question meant I had to go back and unpack that. I had to go back to that trauma and relive that in my mind in order to add one and one to get the two. That the alcohol was the trigger to the trauma. Because when the trauma was happening, although it was other parts of the trauma that was occurring, it was the alcohol that left the imprint. You understand what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. Everything else left an imprint. I'm, sure, not, sure. I'm not disvaluing anything that left the imprint. But it was the alcohol that left the imprint that was the key to unlocking Pandora's box. And that is how I had to open that up. And so now, moving forward in my relationships, that is something I have to say. 
honey, if you want to come in after having a night with the boys, please rinse your mouth first before you choose to kiss me because that is a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. And that puts me in a very unsafe space. And that does not make those safe in the space I'm supposed to feel safe. And I feel very threatened and I have to protect myself. And so that's a way, an example to help you understand how you have to become aware of you and really learn you. You'll hear people say, I know me, but really, do you know you? Like you really got to learn you to be able to explain, ask for your wants and or desires, to be able to convey your emotions. You got to learn you. You got to really dive into who you are as a person, as an individual. That makes sense what I'm saying? That does make sense going further into that. So at what point, so you acknowledge the trauma, you acknowledge the trigger. Mm-hmm. At what point do you start to heal from that? Because I hear you saying that even in relationship now, you're like, nah, bruh, alcohol, like you need to rinse your mouth out before you come near me. Is there still more work to do? I think is where I'm trying to go is, is there still more work to do to be healed from that trauma once and for all? If that's even such a thing. I was just getting ready to say, so that is there the key. Is there really such a thing Mm -hmm. as actually being healed away from it? Or is it the acknowledge is the healing? Because the acts is that you don't do that. Because for me, that sets me back. So that is my healing. Because if you cannot honor that for me, then you're not considering me. And so you're not helping me to heal. Now, will I ever get to a place of, it doesn't mean that if we're out and about and we're together that I can't kiss him in his drunk or when he's been drinking. That's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. What I realize is that when I'm asleep, oh, my okay. unconscious comes to life and it brings me back into that moment. For me now, I'm not so reactive. So if he was to come in and kiss me now, I would not respond with the and wake up very frantic. I would say, babe, over your mouth, babe. Because now I'm really aware of what's happening and I know not how to respond. So that is the healing. The healing is becoming aware being able to be proactive in your response instead of reactive. So I'm not doing damage control. I'm now in control. I like that. Yeah. So journaling, you mentioned journaling as a way of helping us heal. Are we journaling anything in particular or are we asking ourselves that question, like what happened to me and kind of just seeing what comes up for us as we journal? So when you're journaling, I don't want you to always focus on trauma as much as I want you to focus on how you're feeling and what your day looks like. Because sometimes in journaling, when you're writing and you just just allow yourself to write, today I went to the store, I got in my car, you start to identify patterns in yourself. I want you to challenge yourself and ask questions like, is my favorite color still the same? You know? I went to the store and I was looking for yogurt, but I decided to buy ice cream. Why did I decide to buy ice cream? So in your journaling, you're not just journaling to focus on one specific thing or one other thing, but you're journaling to write out so you can see your own patterns of behavior and in your healing that you're doing things. I noticed today that while I was walking, I stepped in a puddle, my shoe got wet and I got really upset about that. But why'd you get so upset? Like, what made you upset about stepping in the puddle of water? Was it because your shoe got messed up? Is it because now your feet is wet? Is it because now your outfit, you got to go home and change your clothes? Like, what is occurring in those emotions that you can identify that can increase your vocabulary to help you define how you're feeling? 
Increase the vocabulary so you can define how you're feeling. So when I come to Miss Wanda, Miss Wanda say, how you doing today, Miss Aisha? Instead of me saying, okay, all right, fine. Those are our three responses. I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm fine. I say something like, you know, I'm having an uncomfortable day today. You know, I just had a crazy experience, so I don't know what kind of mood I'm in. I'm kind of in blah. You know what I mean? We have these common responses that really mm -hmm. doesn't tell people how to hold us. I like that. That makes sense because we do either I'm fine, I'm good, you know, and those can be very generic. And not Don't say it if it's not true. Yeah. Which most of us do. <laughs> but who are you lying to? I'm really not lying to Miss Wanda. I'm lying to myself because that doesn't tell you how to hold me. I'm okay, but I'm really not okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling myself I'm okay and then I'm making this fake facade that I'm okay. I'm wearing the mask. Why are you wearing the mask? Who are you wearing the mask for? Mm. Be unapologetically yourself. I'm not okay. I'm not having a good day. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if you tell somebody you're not having a good day? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What are they going to do? They going to turn around and walk away? What, what is the worst thing that, something that can happen if you tell somebody you're having a bad day? So why we wear the mask? I'm not having a good day. Because you might be getting ready to come and lay a load on me. But the moment I say, you know what, I'm not having a good day, you now consider me and say, oh, you know, I was about to tell her that. Let me not say that. What happens is I say I'm okay, and then you start to dump all your stuff on me, and then I end up being mad at you, mm -hmm. and you don't even know that I'm mad at you. So now there's resentment in that. Do you know she just came and tan, tan, tan. But you told her you was okay. Right. <laughs> That's it. So she thought you was okay, but you wasn't. So don't say that. I'm not okay. And if you don't want to tell people your business, come up with a code word. I don't know. I use life is happening. So when people come to me and they be like, hey, Miss Aisha, how you doing? I'll be like, life happening. Life is happening. I ain't got to tell you what life is happening looks like for me, but know that life is happening. And mm -hmm. they be like, okay, you need a minute? Mm-hmm. Let me have that, please. I want to dig into this even a little <laughs> bit more when you talk about becoming aware of the trauma and asking yourself that question. Sometimes we experience trauma at a very young age. Yes. Is processing that different than maybe something we might have experienced, maybe a little bit older? You know what I mean? Maybe, you know what I mean? If, if you were two or three and you had a traumatic experience and family, please understand traumatic experience isn't necessarily getting hit by a car. So it could be the fact that your parents got a divorce. It can be Correct. a fact that you were, you know, in your childhood home and all of a sudden your family had to move or get evicted or something like that. So please understand when I say trauma and we're talking about trauma today, it's not necessarily always the big things that we may think of and associate with trauma, you know, gunshot or all of these things. Trauma comes in different ways. It's to me, how I explain trauma is it's a disruption of our normal pattern. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, uh, safety and stabilization, right? People who have experienced trauma um, struggle with regulation or communicating their emotions, right? And not realizing that it can be associated with trauma. So creating a safe space and stabilizing that is huge, right? And then we move into phases, uh, remembrance and mourning, allowing yourself to mourn what has happened and giving yourself permission to remember the pain in that. And this takes time. It's normally done with like a coach or a therapist. The goal is to increase the vocabulary to support those emotions um, and exploring the mourning, the loss associated with the trauma and providing those spaces to be able to grieve 
And then you want to reconnect and uh, integration. That means redefining yourself, you know, seeing yourself beyond the trauma. Like, what does that look like beyond the thing that is having this sense of control over your life? How do you gain that repower back, right? For me, being a victim, it, my voice got silenced. It was very hard to watch graphic scenes on TV and things of that nature. I lost my power to speak and advocate for myself. So I had to redefine that and see myself beyond that. And now I got my power back. And it's like, oh, we're not ever doing that again. Like, you're not ever smothering that voice again. Mm -hmm. But it takes time to get that back, right? And at the end of the day, like I said, it's your life, your choice. You show up, I show up, we do the work. And so it's power and testament in your story, but not everybody want to tell their story and that's okay too. You got to give yourself permission to feel, you know, you have to let go of the guilt because what happened to you was not at the hands of you. It was, it, it was not. And so you got to let go of that guilt and give your permission to um, make that person accountable for what it was that happened to you. Even if that means it's your parents. And understand when I say this, I say this so gently. If your parents decided to get a divorce, baby, that's not your fault. Okay, that's not for you to hold. That's not for you to hold. If you were happy at your school and you had great friends and all of a sudden you have to relocate, that's a part of that story of your parents where you need to learn. But that's not for you to hold, right? If that company decided to shut down and now you out of a job, that's not your fault. That's not for you to hold. So you got to give yourself permission to let go of these things that you don't have the power of controlling and hold those other people accountable, right? Especially, I'm going to touch on some things, betrayal in relationships, okay? Because he cheated, because she cheated. You can't control if they chose to cheat or not. You were the best version of you for them. Let that go. That's not on you to hold. That's on them to hold. They made a decision. But the problem is, is that we feel bad because now we have to act accordingly to their actions. You went out and cheated and because you cheated, now I have to leave you. I'm leaving you because I'm choosing me and it's okay to do that. It's okay to choose you, right? Giving back, again, what's not yours to carry and setting really clear boundaries. Be honest with yourself. If you're in a relationship and your cups are not getting filled and you're okay with that, then be okay with that. And know why you okay with that. Because it's not anybody's place to tell you to stay or go. You accept what you choose to accept. And the things that you don't want to accept, you won't accept them. So if you're with that person and that person is filling three cups and not six cups and you okay with them three cups being filled, then be okay with three cups being filled. Be okay with it and know why you're in it though. So don't turn around and be like, I don't understand why I'm with him and blah, 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 to please the conversation holder with me. What you need to say to me is, he's filling three of my cups and I'm okay with that. That's just it, right? Stand in your no, stand in it. No means no. No, I don't wanna come pick you up from work. No, I don't want you to use my car. No, I don't feel like company today. No, I don't wanna go to the party, no. If it's your no, then it's your no and be okay with your no. Don't explain your no. <laughs> don't justify your no. I just, I don't want to. And that's just what it is. <laughs> I want to, I want to back up just a back little up. bit because you dropping, see, I told y'all she's going to be <laughs> dropping dimes all day, but um, it, it's all good stuff. I want to go back to, let's go back. Um, 
holding people account to okay yes do you always need to verbalize as you're processing through so i know a lot of times people say i don't want to confront this trauma because i don't want to have to have the conversation with my parent my sister my you know whatever can you heal even if you don't want to touch those conversations you can so journaling again write what you would like to say to that person And it doesn't mean you have to keep it. After you're done with it, burn it, throw it away, flush it down the toilet. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to ever know, but release it because you're holding it. You got to let go of some of those things that you're holding on to because you're giving them power. You know, you got to let go of those keepsakes that you have from relationships from years ago. Why are you still holding on to them old pictures, (laughs) the phone numbers that you're not going to ever call? Oh, it's just, it's taking up space in your life. Like, why are you letting that take up space? And conflict is not all bad. Some conflict is actually good. And I'm not saying go out and pick a fight. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes arguments are actually healthy because what comes out of those arguments are true transparency moments. And then I want to say this as well. Holding people accountable is not always about fault. It's about how you didn't show up for me. And sometimes people don't know what show up looks like. And they didn't know that you needed show up. And they didn't even know that they failed you because they did not show up. So sometimes it's about saying, I needed you then. And I didn't feel like you were there for me. And remember to always say it in an I statement. Because when you say you didn't, you attack. mm -hmm. And you're blaming. When really what you're trying to do is bring acknowledgement to, I didn't feel I got what I needed from you. And a lot of our parents unintentionally did not give us what we needed. They did not. Yeah. (laughs) What about the people that are not ready to receive? So you get to a place of healing. Mm -hmm. Those people are not ready to receive. And so what I want people to be mindful of is that just because you're ready, what you're saying is actually true. Just because you're ready doesn't mean I'm ready. And so when I'm not ready, you got to respect the space that I'm in and let me be who I am. So you might be ready to have this discussion and that heartbreak may be too much for me to bear and be okay, that's not okay. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, but can you still heal from that though? You can still heal from that because does it really take the other person to tell you sorry for Mm. you to let it go? Does it really take the other person to hear the story for you to tell it? I can write the story, doesn't mean that you have to hear it doesn't mean you want to read it. Doesn't mean it's even meant for you. A lot of times we think unless we actually say it to somebody, it has no value. And that's not true. One of the things that we do in therapy is called the empty chair. And what we do is we'll have you sit in a chair and we'll have the empty chair and the empty chair is the person you would want to tell these things to. And we say, if that person were here, what would you say? And then you say what it is you would say. And then you say, what do you think their response would be? Or what would you want their response to be? Because see, that's different. What do you think it would be? And what would you want it to be? And so in doing that activity, what it allows you to do is it's not really about the empty chair. It's really about giving your heart that voice and being able to vocalize that pain. Letting your heart break. Because in the break, we begin to mend back the pieces. Ooh, that's good. That's (laughs) good. I got more. I'm I'm over here writing. 
Okay, so the next question I have is, I want to go back to what you said about boundaries. And a lot yeah. of times people feel guilty around setting boundaries. I know for me, the hardest boundaries to set are with the people that I care the most about. The other people, I don't care. I set boundaries with you all day. But the people that I care the most about, I feel guilty around setting boundaries or I'm, you know, my boundaries are very loose when I want them to be different. And that's because you think if you don't show up that you felt them in some capacity. Probably, yeah. And there's a part of you that thinks that if you don't do that, then you're held accountable for the next thing that happens. So if I'm supposed to live my life and I'm supposed to learn from my life, how am I gonna learn from my life if you always saving me from my life? So you can't save me from, I literally just spoke about this. If God is the end all be all and it's already written, then let me be my character. Let me play my part. But people want to come in and they want to alter the story. And when you alter the story, you change the trajectory. And so whatever it is I'm now supposed to learn, I'm not learning because you didn't set your boundaries and you didn't let me live out my peace. You saved me or you thought you saved me. And just kind of bringing it to a broader perspective, I think a lot of parents, especially of young adults, I, I know someone who I was speaking with recently that has this young adult um, child that is bumping their head, bumping their head, bumping their head. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I want to help. I want to, I got to, you know, and so... Yeah, and I, I think that I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people that have children, you know, in those, I'm not even going to say early 20s, I'm going to say more like later, mid to later 20s, where we think as a society, like they should have it all together kind of thing. And I've learned just by my own experience of being a parent is that for me, I think it takes, or in my opinion, I think it takes 25, 27. I think we as a society do our young people in an injustice. And I think it takes 25, 26, where you're really starting to get into the groove 27, where you're really starting to figure out life for yourself. But we're like, you're 18, bye, gone. You know? Yeah. It takes till 24, 25 for the brain to even develop into adulthood. 18 is a number, it's an immature number. You know, God, that's moving into systems, and I don't even want to go that far, but. They can't even handle some of the things that they're going to be dealing with at 18 to even understand what's happening in their life at 18. And the school system doesn't prepare them for adulthood. They get up on a stage, they grab a diploma, and they come down, and now they're viewed as an adult. Mm -hmm. That is the transition from adolescent to adult. That's that's it's the simple. Walk yeah. up to the stage, say their name, give them a piece of paper, come down, you're now deemed as an adult. But you don't know anything about banking, credit, yeah, life in Accidents, general, relationships, life, all of that. Any of these things. And then the other thing that is huge for me is, so I'm tying this back to what we're talking about, is you don't even know your parents' story. Mm. You don't know their story. You know them as a mother, you know them as a father, but do you know them as the woman? And do you know them as the man? Because see, the reason why we parent the way we parent is because we have our own individual stories. And those individual stories shape how we parent with our children. But our children don't know our stories because we never sit down to let them see who we really are. They only see us in the role that we play in their life as if that has the most significant value and it doesn't. Some of us need to stop and start to talk to our children and tell them our story. 
so that they can understand why we are. Why does my mom overcompensate groceries? Because maybe when your mom was a child, y'all didn't have food in the house, baby. Why does my mom buy every pair of shoes that she see? Maybe as a child, she only had one pair of shoes. Like, what is your mother's story? Why is my dad so hard on me about being a man and understanding? Maybe because when he was younger, that's not how he grew up. His dad demised him for trying to be a young man, diminished him for trying to be a young man. Like, what is their story? And so when holding people accountable or creating those boundaries, you have to make sure that you're putting you first because we'll get up sick, we'll get up tired. I've done it. Stretch yourself thin trying to show up for everybody else instead of just saying, you know what, today, Miss Wanda, I can't do it. I, I can't. I don't That's have the capacity. I got to so show up for me, right? Yeah. So when is it okay? I'm going to go back to the very beginning. When is it okay to not be okay? And when is my space really safe for me to be safe in my space? You have to break that one down a little bit more. We come back from the break because that one is still. I'm I'm still trying to process that one myself. Family, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back more with Miss Aisha Lewis. What a wonderful conversation we're talking about healing beyond the trauma. Keep it yes. right here, family. We'll be right back after this. This is full circle. Like what you hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. All right, family, we are back. This is the last show of 2021. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe we are days away from a brand new year? With a new year also comes new dreams. And, you know, a lot of people make new goals as well. And if one of your goals is to get past some of the things, some of the trauma that you had been holding on to or working through it, if you're feeling frustrated about it, whatever it is we are talking today about healing beyond the trauma and some of the steps that you can take with miss aisha lewis founding director of a different path associate marriage and family child therapist and associate professional clinical counselor and she is dropping knowledge on us today we are talking again about healing beyond the trauma and again family i just want to reiterate that when we talk about trauma it's not always those big things that we put the trauma label on, right? It's not always the death, sudden death of a family member or death of a family member, or it could be a job loss, which is traumatic. It can be moving from what's one stable environment to maybe an unstable environment. Maybe you've become, or maybe someone has experienced homelessness now or whatever. Maybe someone's experienced divorce or maybe someone has experienced infidelity. Like those all are things that can be considered trauma because again my definition of trauma is that disruption to what disruption of what we already know what our routine is what our body kind of is already used to and now we have this change it change leadership our training is is training leaders like supervisors and managers how to walk with your team through change mm -hmm. and one of the things that we use is it's called the change curve that was modeled after Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stage mm -hmm. of grief. That is my favorite thing to teach because it's so, it's so relatable. Everyone can identify with the stages of grieving, but in a way of change. And I love to see the light bulbs come on when I say, you know, just like a death, especially if it's something sudden, there's a shock 
right? Yes. There's denial. Yes. Same thing can happen when you're experiencing trauma, right? The trauma of losing a job or having, you know, getting a divorce and all of those things. We still go through those stages. The thing is, though, sometimes we find ourselves stuck at a particular stage, right? Correct. And so it's how does that show up for us? And, and we talked about in the forms of triggers. And then how do we process through that to get to healing? Yes. Yeah, so let me reiterate everything that you said. So emotional trauma is the end result of events or experiences that leave us feeling deeply unsafe or often helpless. And so again, the type of traumas could be bullying, could be community violence, could be disasters, could be childhood, could be intimate partnership violence, could be medical, could be job loss, um, could be a car accident, you know, uh, job change, things of that nature. You have acute trauma, which is a single event. You have chronic trauma, which is chronic event or something that is prolonged. And then you have complex trauma, which is multiple events of trauma, right? So talking about that. And then you have the response. So we know this, this is fight, flight, freeze, right? These are our trauma responses. And yes, what you what you also were speaking of is the seven stages of trauma and how we respond to trauma, which is also tied into our grief. So our shock and denial, our pain and guilt, our anger and bargaining, our depression, our upward turn, our reconstruction of working through and then acceptance and hope. Now hear me when I say this, hear me when I say this, it does not mean you're gonna go one, two, three, four, five, six, mm -hmm. okay? You can go one, seven, five, three, four, one, five, three, seven, six. Mm -hmm. When I say you move through that spectrum of emotions, you move through that spectrum of emotions. I'm gonna go back to it again. Allow yourself, give yourself permission. If you angry today when you wake up because you lost something, then damn it, you're angry. If you okay with it five minutes later, then you're okay with it. Allow yourself to move. The world never said that you would not feel every emotion that it had to offer. That's so good. Okay, a couple <laughs> of points from what you just said is one of the things that I heard, and I'm glad that you said it, was that we don't go through the grief in a linear fashion. Like, do not. It is so all over the place. And when you think you might be good, something else may trigger or, you know, something will resonate with you that will bring that trauma back. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go back to whatever another stage. Right. So I'm glad that you said that, that people really need to understand that, that sometimes healing doesn't look like what we think it should look like. And it doesn't look like a, okay, I did a, now I'm on to B. Okay. I did B. Now I'm on to C. Like you said, it can be all over the place. So I, I love that. And I, I think it's important for people to be aware of that. I never really understood that until my dad passed away. Yes. And I thought I was good one day. And then uh, Midnight Train to Georgia, his favorite song came on. And this was like a couple of years after he died. No, let me, let me be 1000 with it. Actually, it was earlier this year. I was telling my friends, for three days in a row, Midnight Train to Georgia kept coming on the radio at different times. And I don't even listen to the radio like that. Wow. I just happened to be in my car, Midnight Train to three days in a row. The third day, I couldn't take it no more. It was like the <laughs> damn bust. I was like, oh my God, like dad, I love you. I miss you. I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but I know that you're here yes. because why else is this song coming on, right? Right. 
And then it was just a, a bunch of sadness after that when my father's been gone for it since 2013. You know, I'm thinking for the most part, I am good. But then there was that one thing and then I was sad and start missing him again. You know, so I, I like that you said that you mentioned that the grief is not always linear. And I want to say this. We learn how to live with it. Doesn't mean that we accept it all the time. Yeah. But we learn how to live with it. So for some people, coping could be dad is not gone today. I'm going to pull up at the house and dad will be. If that's what you have to tell yourself as a coping mechanism to get you to a space of acceptance, then that's what you need for you. You know, we learn to live with it. We learn to sit in it. Doesn't mean it has to be okay all the time. And I don't know, for some reason, we created this social agenda that we have to be the end all, know it all, and everything has to be correctified. There is no perfection. Everything is imperfect, and that's okay too. Nothing is forever, and we have to be okay with knowing that nothing is forever because time is really an illusion. Yeah, yep, that's it right there. That's it right there. Okay, so let's break down this phrase that you say. I want to be able to really understand what you're saying. So, and okay. I wrote down a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Be okay with what wasn't okay? Or what What did you say before the break? <laughs> I, I said, when is it okay to not be okay? And then the not being okay, when is my safe space really my safe space? That's supposed to be my safe space that's not safe at all. So let's talk a little bit about safety. How do you create that safety for yourself? So I think several things. So let's talk about trust. So I trust Ms. Fonda, but I'm going to ask the question, in what capacity do I trust Ms. Fonda? Do I trust her with my car keys? Do I trust her with my wallet? Do I trust her to watch my kids? We say that we trust each other, but there's capacities in which we trust each other. And so this is where it's going to get real. A lot of us say we trust our significant other. And that can be whoever you're dating, whoever you see is your significant other. But you don't trust them with your heart. You don't trust them with the vulnerable pieces of you, of that story that you choose not to tell. Mm -hmm. So is your safe space really a safe space? Because if it is the person that I share my bed with, I share my home with, I open my body to, but I can't open my heart to? Is that really no safe space? <laughs> and is it okay to tell my person that I'm not okay? Because in order to tell my person I'm not okay, that means that my space is really safe. But a lot of our spaces ain't safe because we're not going to tell our person we ain't okay. We're going to tell them, we're going to say we okay. That's so true, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man, I'm just like thinking about uh, people that I talk to and see and things like that, not trusting people with your heart, mm -mm. right? Mm -mm. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate sign of trusting people with your heart is the ultimate sign of intimacy too. It is. And so not having that is a barrier to intimacy with your significant other and to me yourself as well. Because well, you're not, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. And, you know, is the responsibility really on that person to fill all of your cups? I don't feel so. Right. But a lot of times the expectation is it's on you. So mm -hmm. when I'm not okay, it's on you to help me become okay. 
See, those are, now we're going into trauma bonding because trauma bonding is about whose responsibility is it to really hold the person and make the person feel good about who they really are. So let's go back just a little bit. Trauma, because I've heard that term before, trauma bonding. And my understanding of it is I am attracted to someone because of we have shared trauma. Not that we've had the same trauma, but say I come from a family of domestic violence, right? And they do too. And that's something that we can identify with. Is that, do I have the understanding correct or? Correct. And in the trauma bonding, what happens is like, for instance, let's say you have someone who did not feel like they were being loved. Okay, so I'm gonna use a male and female relationship. So the man didn't feel like he got the love that he needed from his mother. And he always felt like as a child, he had to do something to earn his mother's love. Mm -hmm. So what he will find himself doing is getting in a relationship where he has to prove to his woman he is worthy of her love. Mm -hmm. And the times when he doesn't feel like he's earning her love, then that's when the relationship becomes toxifying because now I need to increase it so that there's this victim savior type of role that's happening. But see, I'm good enough. I need you to know that I'm good enough. And then once you tell me you're good enough, oh, baby, I love you. And then now there's this this bonding that's happening. Another way to look at it is, is that if I did grow up in a victimized house setting of intimate partnership violence, I don't necessarily want to be hit, right? I don't want to be hit. But when my person comes to me and says, baby, I don't like when you did that and speak very calmly to me. Don't use any disrespectful tones or words to me. I can't receive that. You can only but receive the hollering and screaming. I can only home. receive the, what the, and the, uh, and the, and then that says to me, oh, you love me. Mm. Because I come from an environment. So what is normal is really abnormal to me. And what is really abnormal is it's really normal. normal. Right? I shouldn't be yelling at my person and my person really shouldn't be yelling at me and we should be able to convey to each other the things and the needs and the wants and be able to be vulnerable in our spaces. But that's not what a lot of us were taught. See, now hear, now hear what I just said. That's not what a lot of us was taught. So the goal is that you got to retrain what was taught to you because what was taught to you was not all right. What was taught to you is not all yours. Some of those beliefs, those values, those morals, those re- that religion, that culture, you don't even own that. That's what was taught to you. So you got to go back and you got to do the work and say, is that really mine? Do I really believe that? Or is that what I was taught? Why do I really do that? Do I do that because I really believe that? Or is that what I was taught? And a lot of us don't even know who we really are. We're learning ourselves. And we're learning ourselves in relationships and we're learning ourselves while being parents. And when I say relationship, I'm talking about all relationships, sisters, aunties, nephews, whatever role you in, you're learning yourself in those relationships and you learning yourself while you raising a child. (laughs) Mm, Family, we're going to take another break. I just, um, on that one, I'm just like, mic drop. Okay. (laughs) We're going to take a break, family. We'll be right back with more Full Circle and Conversation with Maisha Lewis. Miss, I said called Maisha. Miss Aisha Lewis, founding executive director of A Different Path. 
Man, we are Ms. just Ms. Wanda having aha moments over here, y'all. So, so these doubles <laughs> ain't technical on my name. We have an aha moments over here, y'all. <laughs> Family, we'll be right back after this. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. Family, we are back. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with Miss Aisha Lewis. She is Associate Professional Clinical Counselor, also Associate Marriage and Family Child Therapist. She is the founding director and executive director of A Different Path. And we are having a conversation about trauma and healing through the trauma. One of the things I wanted to know, Aisha, is we've talked a lot about doing the work. We talked about journaling. We talked about finding someone to Mm -hmm. hear you walk with you through whatever it is. We also talked about that kind of self-actualization or that asking ourselves those powerful questions that can help us to dig deeper. But one of the things I want to ask is what if you have done all of that? Like you've done all that, but for some reason you're still holding on to trauma. What is that? You mentioned a lot about letting it go, letting it go. But how about those people that are out there that are still having issues letting it go? Yeah. And even when I'm saying let it go, understand that I'm saying that very loosely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because let it go comes in a season. It doesn't come immediately. Right. And so for those that are struggling in that, allow yourself to be in the struggle. Like I said earlier on, when that trigger happened for me. It took three years to even figure out that it was a trigger. So you got to give yourself, again, permission to fill it and the time to heal from it because it's not going to come in five days, 30 days, 45 days. It really does take time to get past these things because you have to remember these things have been attached to you for a long time. And so when things are attached to you for a long time, 21 days to form a habit. If it takes 21 days to form a habit, Excuse me. How long do you think it's going to take for you to get past trauma that has been with you since you were five or you were 10? You know, so you got to give yourself the time to do the work and know that the work is going to get you where you need to be. And if you're still holding on to it, then the question is, what is the hold on? Where's the hold coming from and how much power are you going to give that? Go ahead and get you some water, sis. He trying to attack my voice so y'all can't hear what I got to say. The devil is a lie today. So, you good? Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. I want everybody to understand that everybody has a right to have a present and a future, right? That is not completely dominated by their past. Let me say that again because my voice is coming back. Everybody has a right to have a present and a future that is not dominated by their past. Your past does not dictate where you are going. Trauma can hold us in bondage and we have to take back what is ours and change the narrative. You control the narrative of your story. Yes, not dismissing anybody's trauma. I'm not dismissing anybody's grieving of the trauma or experiences of the trauma. What I am saying to you, if you can hear me, is you control the narrative of the story after the trauma. I can tell you that I've experienced trauma since I was five. And so this book, Trauma Behind the Healing, is going to be so empowering because 
I'm using my own life story to tell these stories so that you can recognize that it's doable. The work is doable. You can get to a place of comfortability within yourself. Trauma tends to make a person feel unsafe in their own body. And why should I feel unsafe in my own body? This is my body. And someone did something to me or something happened to me that now makes me feel unsafe in my own body. I need to change that narrative. I need to take back what is mine. This body is mine. This heart is mine. This mind is mine. This voice is mine. That's if I don't leave here and say anything else, you should not feel unsafe in your own body. That's it. That is it. <laughs> that was big. Yes. Because a lot of people are walking around with a feeling of unsafety but don't recognize that that is what it is that there is a feeling of not being safe and when I say you know echo you in saying that it's not necessarily the physical safety although it can be but it's that emotional safety it's that that parent that always disappointed you that can build up a feeling of unsafety of not being able to trust people. It's so interesting that you say that. I was just, I was having a conversation with my son. I was saying, I apologize for not creating an atmosphere of safety for you. It wasn't that there was any harm done to him, but there were things that I know that I let him down as a mom that affect the way he operates as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so when we say not feeling safe, it's those things. It's, I don't, you know, I don't trust the, these people because this happened to me as a kid or whatever, you know, we are such a trusting world. That's why I said trust. Let's, let's, let's just hone in on that for a second. And what capacity, you know what I mean? We'll get on the bus. So we trust in a driver. We drop our kids off at school, so we trust in the school. We go to work, so we trust in the employer. We get on the airplane, we trust in the pilot. We live in such a trusting world and we use that word so loosely, but the intimate space, our intimate space, we won't trust. We won't trust our intimate space. I don't trust my sister enough to be able to tell her, I didn't like what you said to me yesterday, that hurt my feelings but you'll go book a flight on Delta and jump on a plane. So when we really talking about these safe spaces, we really got to do the work to create these safe spaces so that we can evolve and grow in these spaces so that we can become better versions of ourselves and increasing the emotional vocabulary. Because the other thing that's coming out in trauma is all of these physical symptoms, our stressors, our strokes, you know what I mean? Our fatigue, our insomnia, all of that stuff, that, that's coming out. When they say that, and there's a book that echoes it, and I know you know it, the body keeps the score. The body truly does keep the score. And you're yeah. right. A lot of those illnesses and things that we have could partly be due to this compounded trauma that, that's in our bodies. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. I want to ask you a little bit about <laughs> avoidance. 
so there are some people that want to deal with trauma but then they avoid the hard things or they avoid having to hold people accountable or having those conversations and things like talk a little bit about avoidance so your avoidance can come in a number of fashions excuse me again because if i was raised in a space where my voice wasn't allowed to be heard or every time i tried to give my heart a voice my voice was suppressed then i don't want conflict or every time I try to speak up for myself, I got reprimanded. Most people avoid the conflict because they don't want the repercussions because of, right? Sometimes the avoidance is the fear of, if I say this to you, I lose you. The fear of losing you is so heightened that I'll just avoid the conflict and I'll accept everything that there is. Fear is associated with a lot of why we do some of the things that we do. Again, what's the worst thing that'll happen if you tell a person you're not okay? So we have to start asking ourselves a question. What's the worst thing if I tell Miss Wanda that I didn't appreciate what she said to me? What's the worst thing that'll happen? And be okay with that. Because if that happens, then that means both of you guys don't value it the same way. And at what point do you choose you? I really need people to get in the space of choosing them. So we will go into work and accept everything that this job has to give us. Our peace is taken away when we walk in this job. Our armor is put up because we know we got to go in and defense. Our mental health is questioned when we go in there. But we show up every day to this job because the fear of walking out and not knowing if you'll find another job makes you walk in every day. Let's just stay right there for a minute because that's where I know a lot of people can be, especially right now in this season. They are at a place, a lot of people, and you've seen it in articles and things like that. There's the, what do they call it? The great uh, migration, right? People Mm -hmm. leaving their jobs. Mm -hmm. That finding yourself in that position of, I'm just going to say fear for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. wanting to do something else, loathing this job, but I need the benefits. You'll hear that. Loathing this job, but where else am I going to get this flexible schedule? Loathing this job, but they pay for my childcare or whatever it is, right? How do we find the courage? And that is a good word, courage, because that's exactly what it is. So instead of answering it for everyone, let me challenge everyone to say, when do you find the courage to choose you? And what does choosing you look like? The last question is, what is the worst thing that could happen in choosing you? If you could journal three topics, then then would be the three to challenge yourself, to ask yourself. What does courage even look like for yourself? So, oh, I'm about to go left. I'm expecting everybody else to show up for me, but I'm not even showing up for me. How do you expect everybody else to show up for you and you can't even show up for yourself? Like literally, when do you stop and say, no, this is not okay. I deserve more. I am worth more. This is me, unapologetically, me. And it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. And it has nothing to do with nobody else. I had uh, a friend of mine, as she says, why do you keep doing that? I said, because that's what I want right now. She said, well, it doesn't make sense. I said, but it doesn't have to make sense to you. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me. When I'm tired, I'll stop. 
But until I'm tired, I won't stop because whatever this is, this is what I want right now. And that's it. You got one shot at this. You got one shot at this thing called life. To get to that level of freedom in communication, that's a big step, you know, to be able to stand your ground and say, no, because I want this right now. And no matter what you say, this is what I want. And we have people that impose and impart their opinions on others. I was talking to a friend the other day and she was telling me, you know, all the the things that are going on in her family. She said, do you have any advice? And I said, nope. I got, some. <laughs> I got some titles don't give you entitlement. Uh, say more that, about that. Titles don't, your title don't give you entitlement to me. Just because you, my sister, my mother, my brother, my boss, my boyfriend, my daughter, your title don't give you rights to me. It does not. It does not give you entitlement to me. It does not mean you get to dictate who I am. Mm. It doesn't mean you get to control the narrative of my story. That's not what that means. Your title does not give you permission to me. I give you permission to me. I choose what this looks like. There are choices in this relationship. For every cause, there's an effect. For every action, there's a reaction. I choose to be in this relationship. I'm not required to be in anything. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are my mother, but I don't have to be your daughter. I will always be your daughter on paper. But actively, this relationship requires the both of us. Your title don't give you entitlement to me. I like that. <laughs> I like that because that's, you know, what, that's what happens, you know? Yes. So many relationships and people say, well, that's, that's just my sister. That's just how she is. Oh, that's just, that's just my brother. That's how he is. No, that's not okay. Especially if that's toxic. That's not okay. We grew up in a culture of kids are to be seen, not heard. So a lot of stuff that we did, we did it because we were told to do it. And don't ever go back and question why they told you to do it. Now you're sassy mouthing. So we weren't taught to be communicative. We weren't taught to express our emotions. If we said we didn't like some food, we have to sit there. You better eat it until it ain't no more on your plate or you're going to sleep at the table. Like, listen to what that sounds like. Because I said to you, I don't like the macaroni and cheese. I got to sit at the table and eat the macaroni and cheese. And if I don't, then I can't go to bed. What? Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> and if I tell you that, now I'm being sassy mouth. Like, let's talk about some of the things that were instilled in us. That when we look at that now, what did that do? That was trauma. My grandmother's funeral, I'm seven years old, sitting in a church, looking at a casket with a body. What? And nobody explained to me what this process is. I'm just being shuffled along, this little seven-year-old, shuffled along. All of a sudden, I'm getting my hair pressed and putting on this dress and shuffled into a church, and I got to sit for an hour and a half and stare at my grandmother's old body. And you going to tell me that's not trauma? And nobody took the time to say, how did that make you feel? Is it scary for you? Do you understand what's going on? Hmm. This is how we celebrate death. Nobody said nothing to me. I'm just sitting there and I cannot say nothing because to say something is to be disobedient. And then years later, here I am years later, and I say to my dad, if I had a choice, I would not have went. 
because that was trauma for me. And his response was, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Because I don't want to sit as a seven-year-old two rows away from a dead body. That's disrespectful. We need to stop because everybody's mind cannot handle what we are experiencing. And we don't take the time to ask people, are they okay holding these spaces? We just say, you got to hold them. I ain't safe in my space. I'm not safe. And I'm not safe in my own body. That's crazy to me. So doing the work is being clear about who you are. And you're going to have to take the time to learn who you are so you can be clear about your boundaries, stand in your no, unapologetically be you, and control the narrative of your story because this is your body, your heart, your mind, your voice, your life, your choice, your life, your choice. You want to do the work? If you like what I got to say, you like the way I move, you are welcome to hit me up. I am all for it. I'm all for it. A better version of you. A better version of you. Where can people find you, sis? So they can find me and my calendar is actually opening up. Um, so they can find me on our website at uh, info. They can call my office after the holiday season. If you call now, you'll get the voicemail. But you can call the office 916-395-5023. Uh, I do have two locations. We are in Meadowview and we are now in Oak Park. So I am serving Sacramento greatly. I am moving about and things. So if you're not able to get into the office, we can do telehealth. That is great. Again, life coaching with emphasis on mental health um, because I'm not primarily focused on diagnosing as much as I am focused on the whole person. So life coaching allows me to focus on the whole person. And that means every aspect of your life. It's if it's credit, if it's employment, if it's housing, if it's venting, if it's parenting, I get to focus on the whole person. And again, you becoming a better version of you. So hit me up. If not, I hope that this, what I had to give was enough for someone to receive. And I hope they got a great word and they feel greatly encouraged and they feel motivated to do the work and know that they have the permission and if you don't think you got permission, me and Ms. Wanda grants you permission. Permission granted to go <laughs> yes. on and do your thing, to walk yes. in your authentic self and be clear about who you are. I love it. Period. There's no better way to end the year than to talk about that as people start to wrap up the year and reflect on what the past year has been to them, their goals, their dreams, their disappointments, the things that they've had happen to them, their mistakes, all of that. And as you move forward into 2022 family, hopefully we gave you some things to think about and to really ponder on as you go into this new year. You know, you don't have to make a resolution. You can resolve to just be a better, better you, a better version of you, whatever that looks like. And I think when you do that, the other stuff will come. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, people, oh, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to do it. I think once you resolve some of the, the trauma and recognize those things and really work on becoming a better version of you, those other things will, will come into place as well. Yep. I concur. Mm -hmm. I concur. 
Whoo, I'm gonna give you the last word. <laughs> Go on ahead. If I could leave, the one that's speaking to my spirit is this. Life is a university and every day is class. What's your lesson? What did you learn today? What's your lesson, fam? All (laughs) right, family. Well, that, like I said, we are ending the year on that note. It has been a wild, crazy, amazing adventure of 2021. And so we just want to see you be the best version of you that you can be. Yeah. Live this life. If it's to follow your dream, if it's to quit your job, if it's to write that book, if it's to get that degree, that job, that promotion, whatever it is, have that family, get married, whatever it is. Yes. We just want to see you be the best version of yourself and go after everything that God has promised you because it's already in you. It's already in you. We just need to tap into it and move forward. Give God your time because you already got the talent and He'll give you the treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. So family, that's how we're wrapping it up. Last show of 2021. Go out and have a great next couple of weeks celebrating with your friends and family. Be safe. We still are in the midst of COVID, so be safe, whatever that looks like for you. And I will catch you January 8th. Until then, family, show love to everyone you meet. God bless you. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, or nothing at all. Right. Whatever it is. Yep. Be safe, be happy, be well. And I'll yes, see you love. Love y'all. Peace, fam. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.